0: Bernie Sanders is essentially king of the political world right now. And as such, the entire United Corporations of America, as I always say, we do not live in a country, we live in a broad corporation. It's called the United Corporations of America. It's the politicians, it's the corporations, it's the lobbyists, it's the media, and they're all, and the banks, and they're all in one, one, one big, let's call it a LLC. Uh, cause they don't pay taxes. Uh, they are, they are all part of the United Corporations of America. And now that Bernie is frankly, I, I mean, I, anyone could say this objectively, CNN won't. Bernie Sanders is kind of on fire right now. Fundraising numbers just came out. He leads the pack volunteers. He has over a million volunteers. They're having a big day of organizing on April 27th, uh, Bernie Sanders campaign and his volunteers. Uh, I mean, f- social media, he's basically beating everybody else. And if you just saw him on Fox News last night, which honestly was a work of art, if you ask me, very few critiques I have, minor critiques, not even worth mentioning. If you didn't see, this was the MVP moment from Bernie Sanders on Fox News. Fox News thought they were going to catch Bernie Sanders in, in a you know gotcha moment where people wouldn't Love his idea for Medicare for All. Watch what happened. Uh, I want to ask the audience a question, if you could raise your hand here. A show of hands of how many people get their insurance from work, private insurance, right now. How many get it from private insurance? Okay, now of those, how many are willing to transition to what the senator says, a government-run system? I, that's sorry. sorry. I got to do from, that again. Uh, I want to... Ask the audience a question, if you could raise your hand here. A show of hands of how many people get their insurance from work, private insurance, right now. How many get it from private insurance? Okay, now of those, how many are willing to transition to what the senator says, a government-run system? The best part of that, honestly, they didn't even wait till Brett Baer, big old Brett Baer, finished the question. They just raised their hand. Fox News, can you imagine Fox News executives? Yeah, they got great ratings, speaking of. Fox News Town Hall with Bernie Sanders last night attracted 2.55 million viewers, most for a candidate town hall this year. Previous high was Kamala Harris over at CNN, that little love fest they gave Kamala Harris. Sanders, all the more impressive since his aired, 6.30 to 7.30, others during prime time. So, you think Fox News executives are kicking themselves for exposing this man, this progressive message to their audience? Their audience, at least in in studio, absolutely loved Bernie Sanders. Every single thing Bernie Sanders said, he had people cheering, Birdie, Birdie, Birdie. And this was in Pennsylvania, which, earth to the Democrats, you got to win Pennsylvania, along with Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio. You definitely need to win Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, period. Uh, Ohio, possibly you could lose it and still the Democrat win. You got to win Michigan back. Got to win Pennsylvania back. Got to win Wisconsin back. And wait, what is that? During the Democratic Party 2016, Bernie Sanders won Michigan and Wisconsin? Hmm, interesting. Very interesting. But we can't have Bernie Sanders against Donald Trump, right? So it's just so amazing because the viewers literally started raising their hand before I even finished the question. Because Medicare for all and progressive policies, as I've always told you, are wildly popular, even among conservatives. Because most Republicans are actually closet progressives on the issues. If you say the word socialism to them, they say, no, 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 we don't like socialism. But if you say, oh, are you for a Medicare for all system that would mean no co-pays, no deductibles, no coinsurance, no hidden bills? Yeah, yeah, we want that. In the last poll, 52% of Republicans want um, Medicare for All. Most majority of Republicans endorse raising the minimum wage. Majority of Republicans are for the Green New Deal. Uh, The majority of Republicans are for uh, $15 minimum wage. The majority of uh, Republicans were against the bailouts of the banks. I could go on and on and on. So Fox News just exposed a progressive message and everyone criticized Bernie for going on Fox News. And sure, they tried to get him and there was a lot of unfair questions that were more just like right-wing talking points, masked as questions, which, you know, you expect that from Fox News. But what was so amazing about it is Bernie Sanders, of all of them, all the Democratic candidates, all 75,000 of them, is the only one with the cross-party popularity that's going to be needed to take on Donald Trump. Because remember, there was a lot of Barack Obama voters, I think 10% or something of Obama voters that ended up voting for Trump. Those are the voters that I think Bernie Sanders could easily get back. There's also a lot of card carrying Republican voters that Donald Trump got that I think are having buyer's remorse. I think when the economy starts to move backwards, which a lot of economists say we're, in, we're facing another recession before the election, I think those same people are going to be open to Bernie Sanders. Why do I think that? Because I covered the 2016 campaign, rally after rally after rally. I'm talking about Trump rallies. I would ask his voters, if not Trump, who, who's your second? It wasn't Ted Cruz. It wasn't Ben Carson. Carly Fiorina. Herman Cain. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. I wanted to do this yesterday, but I ran out of time. Bernie Sanders is now leading. That would be leading Joe Biden in national polls. Joe Biden, 24%, Pete, fake progressive, America's mayor, Pete Buttigieg, which by the way, it's, 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 it's embarrassing at this point, the way the media is prostituting themselves for Pete Buttigieg, Uh, Buttigieg, Uh, uh, you know, nice guy, I think it'd be great to have a gay president and everything, but it's the same thing I say about a black president, it's the same thing I say about a woman president, I don't give a damn if you're glow-in-the-dark president, what are your policies? It would be great to have a, a gay president. Uh, and, you know, he is a, a very wonderful new flavor of the month. But I don't really care if he's gay or not. I care what are his policies. And I have done the homework where corporate media outlets have not. I interview a, a candidate for South Bend mayor. And, boy, maybe they should kind of look into what has Pete Buttigieg actually done for South Bend? Because really what he's doing is gentrifying downtown, making it beautiful, and leaving everybody else to rot. Sound familiar, San Francisco? Sound familiar, Seattle? Sound familiar, Chicago? Sound sound familiar, Portland? Sound familiar, L.A.? Sound familiar, New York City? Sound familiar, Cleveland? Sound familiar, Philadelphia? And on and on and on and on we go. Gentrification. But Bernie Sanders is leading 29%. Joe Biden down to 24%. Pete Buttigieg 9%. Beto 8%. 8%. I got a little on better later. Kamala Harris, uh, Queen Hillary's uh, successor, 8%. Kamala Harris really hasn't gotten past that 8 to 10. I think the highest I saw her was 12%. Elizabeth Warren, still struggling at 7%. And then you have Julian Castro, 3%. Andrew Yang, 3%. Cory Booker, 2%. Eric Stalwall, 1%. And our friend Tulsi Gabbard down at 1% which partly is because the media has blacked out Tulsi Gabbard the same way they did uh, Barack Obama, uh, Bernie Sanders. And just a quick tangent, I'm not going to cover this extensively. I'm going to do it in a separate video where I dedicate time to it. I know a lot of you won't like it, but I got to keep it real. The more I look into Andrew Yang, I don't like. I like him. I think he's a nice guy. Uh, I think he means well, but I think, although I agree in many cases with universal basic income, I agree with universal basic income when you look underneath it he wants to pay for universal basic income by raising taxes on not the, not the rich he wants to pay for raising our taxes to pay for this universal basic income i also don't like his viewpoint on labor unions i also don't like his viewpoint and again i'm going to do a broader video you know him and others have this kind of message that you know automation. we got to get real it's irreversible so we just have to get real. It's 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 irreversible. Sure, $1,000 a month would be a game changer for a lot of people. But that's that's not fixing the structural issue in this country. That's giving money to people, which I agree with, universal basic income, I think would be great. But it's not fixing the structural issue, which is we have licensed and allowed our politicians to sell our jobs to other countries and now sell our jobs to robots. So... That's a problem. That's a problem. And I don't think as a candidate, and Bernie Sanders, I like that he's not doing that. I don't think candidates, I don't agree with candidates just to say, well, it's irreversible. So instead of trying to force politicians and force companies to actually, you know, consider human beings, consider that people need to work, people need to feed their families. uh, and, And instead of succumbing to this principle that oh well you know companies are just going to do what companies do they you know they're entitled to free to un- unending profit and we just got to instead of trying to get those jobs back we're trying to uh, um, basically face face robots in the face uh, let's just give people money I agree with giving people money but I think you need to do a lot more than that and I don't think he has the plans for that I also. As soon as he said he's not for a minimum wage, no, not interested. So some of you won't like that. I'm going to do a deeper dive into him uh, when I have the time. I just haven't had the time because I'm crazy busy with this Flint documentary. But that's what I think as far as my top line on Andrew Yang. I watched his whole CNN town hall. Some of his answers I liked. But again, universal basic income. Yes, good. I hope that's a, it's a good policy but there needs to be more underneath it. You can't just say, well, the automation and the robot revolution and basically replacing humans working, we can't fight it. We can't, it's irreversible. I don't agree with that. Basically, you're saying, well, corporations, they're just going to do what they're going to do. There should be no regulation on corporations. They should be allowed to basically maximize profit at all costs, even if, even if people can't get jobs. And I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Should some industries go towards automation? Should some industries have more, you know, robots, this and that? Maybe. But I don't think that's a good uh, viewpoint. And I think it's basically succumbing to this idea that corporations run the country. We're not going to change the corporations. are going to try to replace workers with robots because corporations want to maximize profit at the lowest cost possible. No. This is the problem with America. This is the 1980s. Gordon geckoization of America, greed is good. Well, as president, you could push tighter regulation on corporations. You could push regulations on how much automation they could do. And if people think that's big government, so be it. I think we need a little bit more big government. But it's not about whether it's big or small. It's about whether it's good government. So that's my tangent on Andrew Yang. Some of you might not like it. That's what I think. And I think Jimmy agrees with me. I actually saw Jimmy on his live stream say he's not an Andrew Yang fan. Not against him personally, but his policies, he's, he's not a fan. So anyway, what's really telling about this Emerson poll, which I think is super, super, super important. Remember how I did videos on that CNN wasn't sharing what their age breakdown was in their poll? So you have to imagine they're oversampling older people. They're undersampling younger people. Obviously, younger people, Bernie Sanders is a huge advantage over any other candidate in Bernie Sanders also does have support among older people. Older viewers uh, love them some Bernie too. But it is a fact that Bernie, especially among age 18 to 29, far superior than his challengers. CNN wasn't revealing those numbers. Neither has Quinnipiac and a lot of other polls. This poll, Emerson did reveal those numbers. And it's exactly what I thought. Sorry uh, if it doesn't look so great, but I got it off an Excel sheet. So, Emerson's poll. 914 polled. 914 people polled. The highest num- the highest age bracket they polled, as far as the most amount of people, was age 30 to 49. They polled 316 people. Bernie's popularity is very high, uh, is still high, age under 40. It dips off a little bit after 40. So right there, 30 to 49, that's the most amount of people they polled. Age 50 to 64, second uh, second, second. Category uh, as far as age that they polled uh, highest, so thirty to forty-nine age thirty to forty-nine was number one, followed by age fifty to sixty-four, which frankly Bernie struggled with uh, into twenty sixteen. It's de- it's definitely a more establishment age group. I don't say that to piss off you progressives who watch me because clear- clearly Bernie Sanders does have older voters supporting him, but by the numbers, the establishment vote. So the Hillary Clinton, the Joe Biden, you know, the, um, the you know, the, the classic establishment Democrat is an older voter. Then coming in third was age 18 to 29, which is Bernie's sweet spot, 171 polled, not so far ahead of uh, 65 or more. So basically, I would, I mean, age 18 to 29 and 65 or more, it's only separated by Three people. So essentially, they they polled ages 18 to 29 last. It's basically a tie between 18 and 29 and 65 or more. So here you have a poll that is actually undersampling Bernie's th- highest approval. The the group that Bernie does best with, age 18 to 29, 18% are po- of those polled were 18 to 29. 30 basically rounded 35% were 30 to 49, 28% were 50 to 64. Bernie Sanders is still ahead of Joe Biden by five points, even though his strongest group was undersampled. Imagine if it was a more equal distribution and you have 18 to age 18 to 29 was 23, 24% of those polled. And these two groups now uh, were brought down. Why that's important? Because Bernie Sanders, a lot of people said, well... These polls, when I tweeted that, some people said, well, these polls uh, are just a representation of how many people actually come out in those age groups. So that's why they're polling, uh, you know, so few young people. I don't buy that. But if Bernie Sanders is the nominee, you better believe there's going to be a record number, record number of younger voters in that 18 to 29 group. So Bernie Sanders beating Joe Biden in a national poll even though they're undersampling young people, is a hell of a big deal. Hell of a big deal. And if you go deeper into the poll, Joe Biden, call it what you want, it could be the stories that came out about his inappropriate touching and kissing and smelling hair of women, but Joe Biden is dipping. Here's um, Kimball. Kimball also noted that Biden has seen a drop. Biden has seen his support drop. In February, he led Sanders 27% to 17%. And in March, the two were tied at 26%. Now Sanders has a five-point lead, 29% to 24%. I got to tell you something. Joe Biden not being in this race, here we go. If Joe Biden decides not to run, Bernie Sanders looks to be the early beneficiary, picking up 31% of Biden's voters. Mayor Pete gets 17% of the Biden vote, followed by Beto O'Rourke at 13%. And they also have Trump's approval rating, taking a nosedive still. So what's important about this is a few things. Again, I already made the point. They're under-sampling young people and he's still beating Joe Biden. That's important. And I give this poll a lot more credibility than I do the CNN poll, the Quinnipiac poll and other people's polls, because those polls don't actually give you the breakdown of how many individuals are they polling by age. That's important to know that information, because if not, you got to take all these with a grain of salt. So very important, Bernie beating Biden and the others, even though his strongest um, age group is undersampled. But the second thing is, you got to start wondering, why has Joe Biden not announced his run for presidency? I ain't a conspiracy theorist, but it's late at this point to not to not announce your run. I mean, most people, if they're running, announce it like, Almost two years before. It's crazy, I know, but that's how it is. So, i my gut tells me this is more than just trying to gather donors and support. My gut tells me there's something his campaign knows that could come out that they're trying to stop from coming out before they decide to run. Get what I'm saying? I don't have any information on this. I'm not reporting anything. This is just my thought but at this point you're talking about going into may you're talking about a month before the first primary debate you're even even if you are the former vice president you're going to be at a pretty thick disadvantage uh fundraising rise infrastructure wise volunteer wise uh even staffing wise in in all the key states you're going to be at a huge disadvantage so you would have to wonder is it strategy, or trying to suppress something that could take out his campaign? Trying to make sure that that will not come out before he announces. And if they can't make sure it won't come out, he's not going to run. So the only thing I can think of, because there's, it doesn't make, there's no politician that is intent to run, has decided to run, and would just keep sitting out while his numbers keep dropping. That doesn't make any sense politically speaking. Your numbers are dropping because of the news stories that come out, I I would gather. Also because Bernie's popularity is rising. Why do you keep sitting on the sidelines if you want to run? You're basically committing political suicide. So I kind of think that's kind of interesting. Uh, But hey, he's down. Again, he he was beating Sanders by 10 points in February. Now, then it was tied in March. Now he's down five points. So... Kind of a big deal. Other news that came out today that is also very good for Bernie. And uh, OpenSecrets.org will have the full information probably in a few days. Bernie Sanders uh, donors. This is just a snapshot I took from CNN. Bernie Sanders donors. This is the percentage of donors that came in $200 or less. Small dollar donors. Bernie Sanders leads at 84%. Uh, A little surprised. Andrew Yang up there at 81%. Like I said, I'm, I'm not he's not my guy uh, for a lot of pol- for a lot of policy reasons, which I'm going to do a separate video on. But he does have grassroots support. Uh, Elizabeth Warren 70%, uh, which is kind of interesting too, because she really hasn't raised a lot, but it, a lot of it's been for small dollar donors. Pete Buttigieg 64%, Marianne Williamson 60%, um, $200 or less. Beto O'Rourke 59%. $200 or less. And we'll get to or O'Rourke because like I told you when he announced, when the an- announcement came, oh, he raised $6.1 million in one day. I, I told you then, hate to say, I told you, say, eh, I think they were doing creative math. Well, ends up, they were. But I think the key here is Kamala for. oh, Tulsi Gabbard, 55% small dollar donors, a lot of you have donated to her. I think the takeaway to me here, Kamala for the people Harris 37%, 37% were small dollar donors under $200. What would that indicate to you? Her donors are Hillary Clinton's donors. Her, her, her the, the biggest people for Kamala Harris are not a small dollar grassroots revolution. It's big dollar donors, Hillary Clinton's people. The fundraisers that she's had, it's all been, because I covered Hillary's campaign, I see the same people as co-hosts at these fundraisers she's holding. You see the same people donating. You see the same people quoted supporting her. She's basically just stepped into Hillary Clinton's body. let Let me rephrase. She's basically stepped into Hillary Clinton's campaign and taken Hillary Clinton's infrastructure. Now, you know, a lot, most people, you know, I don't even think classifying small dollar donors as $200 or less is really great. I think two hundred dollars a lot is a lot actually for to give to a politician. Most people don't have that. So when they're classifying it at 200 dollars or less, well, if only 37% of her donors were two hundred dollars or less, by my math, that would be sixty-three percent of her donors are two hundred dollars or more. Two hundred dollars or more is a very wide cross section, it could be two hundred and one dollars were donated or $2,800 the max. When we look, when I look closer into the uh, FEC filings, which are just available today, I haven't had a chance to look yet, I bet to get, I gather, I'd venture to guess most of her, a lot of her donations are closer to that max amount because it's big Wall Street people, it's big pharma, fossil fuels, real estate developers, Silicon Valley. I give you Kamala for the people, Harris, and no surprise, Kirsten Gillibrand down there at 17%. We're small dollar donors, uh, Cory Booker right behind her. Uh, I missed him in my screenshot. So we're not surprised that Bernie's leading the pack and that's why Bernie is not only on policy, but if you wanna talk challenging Trump, Bernie Sanders is the best candidate to challenge Trump because the key about that number, if 84% of his donors are $200 or less, that means he could keep constantly going back to those donors with fundraising emails, can you pitch in $3? Can you pitch in $5? Can you pitch in $27? Whatever it is, because they haven't maxed out. The max is $2,800. So you could keep going back to those. And you know, you could keep doing it. If he wins Iowa, you send out that fundraising email, we have the momentum, we could win this campaign. Can you, can you donate $27? That's how politics works. Small dollar politics. Whereas Kamala Harris... A lot of a lot of her people probably maxed out already, so she's not going to be able to go back to these same people over and over. Which means eventually your money dries up. I also want to say she's gotten no media coverage, but props to Tulsi Gabbard. That's a good number: 55%, $200 or less. That means she has a grassroots army behind her as well. It's unfortunate the media has blacked her out because if you think think of one thing the media would uh, rather cover less than Medicare for all, a Green New Deal. Free public college, anything that threatens the media industrial, excuse me, the military-industrial complex. You see that Bernie Sanders leading in the polls. Bernie Sanders crushing it even on Fox News. Bernie Sanders crushing it. Donors. Well, I guess it makes sense then that the United Corporations of America are having backroom dinners, trying to figure out. How in the hell to stop this man? So if you came to this late, I said from the beginning, remember the DNC's lawyer in the DNC election fraud lawsuit literally opened his mouth and publicly said, sure it's legal, sure it's, yeah, we can do whatever we want. We could decide the the nominee in a back room over cigars. I'm about to read you an article that I think kind of shows that's exactly what they're doing. When I say the United Corporations of America This article I'm about to read you is the United Corporations of America freaking the fuck out that socialism is popular and this train, this Bernie Sanders train, it's going full and full steam's a go. And the only way they could do it, the only way they could stop it is to throw the conductor off and that would be Bernie Sanders. But the problem is if they throw that conductor off, the train's going to stop and crash anyway, which I'll explain in a bit. But this article just brings me such joy, a little anger too, but joy, because I love seeing rich, wealthy, douchey donors scared shitless. Makes me happy. Let's read. When Leah Dautry, a former Democratic Party official, addressed a closed-door gathering of about 100 wealthy liberal donors in San Francisco last month, all it took was a review of the 2020 primary rules to throw a scare in them. Can you imagine how many of those... Wealthy elites in San Francisco were smoking cigars over caviar. Democrats are likely to go into their convention next summer without having settled on a presidential nominee, said Miss Doughtry, who ran her party's convention in 2008 and 2016, the last two times the nomination was contested. And Senator Bernie Sanders is well positioned to be one of the last candidates standing, she noted. I think I freaked them out, Miss Doughtry recalled with a chuckle, an assessment that was confirmed by three other attendees, they are hardly alone. From canopy-filled fundraisers on the coast to the cloakrooms of Washington. Canopy-filled fundraisers on the coast to the cloakrooms of Washington. Oh my God, I can imagine the delicious oysters being fed at these canopy-filled fundraisers on the coast. Maybe they're going out for an afternoon yacht, followed by a little massage, a little ma- a little mud mask. Oh God, I need to be invited to this so I could throw up in their face. Mainstream Democrats are increasingly worried that their effort to defeat President Trump in 2020 could be complicated by Mr. Sanders in a political scenario all too reminiscent of how Mr. Trump himself seized the Republican nomination in 2016. So already, the New York Times is framing it that Bernie is the reason Trump uh, won in 2016. It's not. How some Democrats are beginning to ask: Do they thwart a 70-something? Some 70 something candidate from outside the party structure who is immune to intimidation or incentive and wields support from an unwavering base without simply reinforcing his the establishment is out to get me message, the same grievance Mr. Trump used to great effect. But stopping Mr. Sanders, or at least preventing a contentious convention, could prove difficult for Democrats. He has enormous financial advantages already substantially outraising his Democratic rivals, that could sustain a major campaign through the primaries. And he is well-positioned to benefit from a historically large field of candidates that would splinter the vote. If he wins a substantial number of primaries and caucuses and comes in second in others, thanks to his deeply loyal base of voters across many states, he would pick up formidable numbers of delegates for the nomination. That prospect is not only spooking establishment-aligned Democrats, but it is also creating tensions about what, if anything, should be done to halt Mr. Sanders. Some of the parties still harbor anger over the 2016 race when he ran against Hillary Clinton and his ongoing resistance to becoming a Democrat. But his critics are chiefly motivated by a fear that nominating an avowed socialist would all but ensure Mr. Trump a second term. Ugh, this, oh God, I want to vomit. There's a growing realization, quote, there's a growing realization that Sanders could end up winning this thing or certainly that he stays in so long that he damages the actual winner, said David Brock, the liberal organizer who said he has had discussions with other operatives about an anti-Sanders campaign and believes it should commence sooner rather than later. Let me repeat this. David Brock, a liberal organizer, he's not a liberal organizer, he's a Republican who said he has had discussions with other operatives about an anti-Sanders campaign and believes it should commence rather sooner than later. So, where do I start? Number one, these are the same fraudulent hucksters that have been huffing and puffing the house down for the last two and a half years about our frail, gentle, graceful democracy being attacked by Russia and meddling in the campaign by Russia. Yet it's okay if they do it. They're literally, to the New York Times, they're not hiding it. It's talking about how they could thwart democracy, how they could stop the most popular politician in America. What would you call that other than meddling? You're not talking about just Putting money behind another candidate, you're not talking about having a having a debate about ideas. You know, putting your 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 uh, policies forward, having your candidates say, "Hey, you know, Bernie, we appreciate you like Medicare for All. Here's why we think Medicare for Extra or Medicare for America or whatever bullshit title they come up with is is a better plan," and letting the voters decide. You're not talking about empowering the voters to decide the nominee. You're talking about shall I say it again, meddling or rigging the primary. Why is it okay for these people to distract, deflect, and, and you know create a new Cold War for the next two and a half years ago, which is exactly what they've done, but at the same time, it's fine for them to try to stop the nominee or the most popular candidate? It's not okay. It's a double standard. It's hypocritic. It's fraudulent, and frankly, it's evil. Forget, forget that you're progressive for a second. A lot of you are progressive that are watching. Forget that I'm a progressive. Let's just talk, put out the labels, put out what you believe, and let's just talk about common sense. Right? So, do you generally like if 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 you own a business or you're into sports or whatever it is, let's just say competition. Do you generally embolden the people that keep losing to have a say in the next race? We're not talking about like your kid who, you know, you just need to encourage them. They keep losing, but you know, you'll get them, you'll get them next time. You, you give encouragement to someone, keep losing. You're talking about political operatives whose bad ideas, whose greed, who's selling out their souls to corporations, to lobbyists, to special interests has continually lost and emboldened extreme conservatism like Donald Trump, like Ted Cruz, like Steve King, like Mike Pence, like Paul Ryan, like Mitch McConnell. I could go on and on and on. Why is the New York Times even going to David Brock? Why are we even giving these people that if there was an actual civilized, sane society, would be in a political witness protection program right now? they lost to an orange orangutan used car salesman. Why do we give a flying fuck what David Brock thinks about who should be the nominee? David Brock should be disgraced. He and his little propaganda army, correct the record, did more to prop up Hillary Clinton and how that worked out. And you know, the New York Times, they, they don't put it in here, but I, I remember covering Bernie Sanders at two or three rallies for Hillary Clinton. Do you know Bernie Sanders did more rallies for Hillary Clinton, which a lot of you didn't like, than Barack Obama did? Bernie Sanders barnstormed the country, probably nauseous the whole time, telling people to vote for Hillary Clinton. It's not his fault that Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate. It's not his fault that she didn't uh, campaign in Wisconsin. Not his fault that they pulled volunteers out of Michigan because they thought it was done and and she was going to win Michigan. It's not his fault that her campaign operated based on data, exclusively data, rather than actually getting a pulse of America. So, number one, they're all frauds because they don't care about attacks on our democracy. They are attacking our democracy right out in the open. And I tweeted it early. I don't know how you read this story, and there's more concerning parts, without thinking this is 2016 rigging in the 2020 form. But to some veterans of the still raw 2016 primary, a heavy-handed intervention may only embolden him and his fervent supporters. R.T. Ryback, the former Minneapolis mayor who was vice chairman of the Democratic National Committee in 2016, complained bitterly about the party's tilt towards Mrs. Clinton back then and warned that it would backfire if his fellow mainstream Democrats, quote, start with the idea that you're trying to stop somebody. Yeah, I agree with Mr. Ryback. If the party fractures again, quote, or if we even have anybody raising an eyebrow of, quote, I'm not happy about this, we're gonna lose and they have th- they'll have, they have this loss on their hands, Mr. Ryback said of the anti-Sanders forces, pleading with them to not make him a martyr. I agree. Why don't you just let the people decide You are not elected, David Brock. You are not elected, Neera Tanden. You are not elected, Center for American Plutocrats. You are not elected, these big donors. Your vote, you go vote for your candidate. You can give as much money as humanly possible to that candidate, but you are not the elected president, Congress, or dog catcher of America. So the people should decide who they want to challenge Donald Trump. Because if you try to take out Bernie Sanders, whatever form the rigging's going to happen this time, you're going to lose probably worse than you did in 2016. Because I got news for you. If Bernie Sanders gets rigged again, if this gets stolen from Bernie Sanders again, you think, you think, I, 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 would, I would venture to guess maybe 25 to 30 percent of Bernie Sanders voters would vote for the Democratic nominee. They rig it again. If you want to lose those voters and you want to hand it to Trump, you do that. To a not insignificant number of Democrats, of course, Mr. Sanders' populist agenda, including Medicare for all and a focus on working families, is exactly what the country needs. And he has provided his medal, having emerged from the margins to mount a surprisingly strong challenge to Mrs. Clinton, earning 13 million votes and capturing 23 primaries or caucuses, The good news for Mr. Sanders' foes is that his polling is down significantly. I don't know what they're talking about. In early nominating states from 2016, he is viewed more negatively among Democrats than many of his top rivals, and he has already publicly vowed to support the party's nominee if he falls short. Of course his polling's down. There's 25 other candidates. Are you kidding? See, this is the problem with corporate media. They don't have any context. It's all subtle, but it's not so subtle. They try to form a narrative that the candidate that they don't like, which would be the New York Times, the Washington Post, Associated Press, CNN, MSNBC, we go on, is down in popularity. Well, in 2016, he was facing two, three, four, five candidates at the most. Now he's facing, I think it's up to 19 with a few more to get in. Yeah, makes sense that his numbers are down a little bit. The vote is splintered. Quote, Bernie Sanders believes the most critical mission we have before us is to defeat Donald Trump, said Fai Shakir, Mr. Sanders, campaign manager. Any and all decisions over the coming year will emanate from that key goal. Or as former Senator Claire McCaskill put it, you got to love how many establishment corporate hacks to get their quote in this piece. Quote, one thing we have now that we did not in 16 is the uniting force of Trump. There will be tremendous pressure on Bernie and his followers to fall in line because of what Trump represents. Uh, why would there be pressure on Bernie Sanders, the frontrunner, and his supporters to fall in line? Why wouldn't the pressure be on you, Claire McCaskill, you, David Brock, you, Neera Tandon, you, big dollar donor, you fall in line. If the cards fall where they fall, Bernie Sanders wins, wins the most amount of primaries and caucuses. Bernie Sanders is the nominee, period. So I don't care what you think. I don't care if you think he's good, bad, or otherwise. If Bernie Sanders wins this in a Democratic way, you fall in line. Because at that point, you can't actually say your most important thing is defeating Donald Trump. If you refuse to support the candidate with the most momentum, the most volunteers, the most money, the most, I mean, viral ability and the energy, then you don't care about defeating Donald Trump as much as you care about making sure progressive change never, ever comes to happen. But Mr. Sanders is also taking steps to signal he is committed to the duration, for the duration of the race and will strike back aggressively when he's attacked. On Saturday, his campaign sent a blistering letter to the Center for American Plutocrats. I, I put in plutocrats for progress. A Clinton-aligned liberal tank, think tank accusing them of abetting Mr. Trump's attacks or playing a, quote, destructive role in Democratic politics and of being beholden to the corporate money they receive. The letter came days after a website aligned with the center aired a video highlighting Mr. Sanders' status as a millionaire. With other mainline party leaders, he is offering more honey than vinegar. Last month, for example, he used his first trip to Iowa as a 2020 candidate to quietly meet with Jeff Link, a veteran party strategist, and Patty Judge, the former state agricultural secretary, to discuss rural policies and politics, according to a Democrat familiar with the meeting. Mr. Sanders' campaign also reached out to Randy Weingarten, the head of the American Federation of Teachers and a top Clinton ally in 2016, who, by the way, is corrupt, to have her join them at what they dubbed an, quote, Ohio workers' town hall on Sunday. Quote, if anybody thinks Bernie Sanders is incapable of doing politics, they haven't seen him in Congress in 30 years, said Tad Devine, Mr. Sanders' longtime strategist who is not working for his campaign this year. This guy is trying to win this time. But such outreach matters little to many Democrats, especially donors and party officials, who are growing more alarmed, they're alarmed, I tell you, about Mr. Sanders' candidacy. Mr. Brock, who supports Mrs. Clinton's past presidential bids, said, quote, the Bernie question comes up at every fundraising meeting I do. Steve Ratner, a major Democratic Party donor, said the topic is discussed endlessly in his orbit, his, his, his cocktail crowd, handkerchief orbit, and among Democratic leaders, it is becoming hard to block out. Quote, it has gone from being a low hum to a rumble, said Susan Swecker, the chairwoman of Virginia's Democratic Party. Howard Wolfson, who spent months immersed in Democratic polling and focus groups on behalf of the former New York mayor, Michael R. Bloomberg, had a blunt message for Sanders skeptics. Quote, people underestimate the possibility of him becoming the nominee at their own peril. The discussion about Mr. Sanders has to date been largely confined to private settings because, like establishment Republicans in 2016, Democrats are uneasy about elevating him or alienating his supporters. This is the most important paragraph of this story. The matter of what to do about Bernie and the larger imperative, A party unity has, for example, hovered over a series of previously undisclosed, which is also called secret, Democratic dinners in New York and Washington organized by the longtime party financier, Bernard Schwartz. The gatherings have included scores from the moderate or center left wing of the party, including Speaker Nancy Pelosi, Senator Chuck Schumer, the minority leader, former Governor Terry McAuliffe of Virginia, who's BFFs with Bill and Hillary, and Mayor, small town, you know, Amer- America's mayor, who the corporate media is prostituting themselves for, Mayor Pete Buttigieg of South Bend, Indiana, who I guess they're souring on good old Beto, himself a presidential candidate, and the president of the Center for American Plutocrats, Neera Tandon. Quote, he did us a disservice in the last election, that Bernie Sanders, the financier, Mr. Schwartz said, and who said he will support Vice President Joe Biden in the primary. What's so amazing about this, and I'm going to say it right here, you can call me an alarmist if you want, but I think it's pretty obvious. Do people think that Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, a big dollar financier, Heat Booted Judge, Neera Tandon. And Terry McAuliffe are meeting in secret dinners to discuss Real Housewives of New York. You think they're there to talk about, you know, subsidies for agriculture? You think they're there, you know, to discuss the ending of Game of Thrones. I've always said it. I think Ned Stark is that is the leader of the White Walkers. So if that happens, remember I said it. Jen thinks I'm crazy, but that's true. Ned Walker is the Night King. It will it will come out. They are having secretive dinners in New York, D.C. Pete Buttigieg, among them, Mayor Pete, who's not progressive. I I, I did a video. I interviewed the uh, a candidate for South Bend mayor because Pete's not running again. Watch it if you want to know what he's done or not done for South Bend. I mean, I think objectively, one could say they are actively talking about how they could rig the primary against Bernie Sanders. They're they're getting wiser this time. They're not putting it in writing. They're not putting it in email this time. Neera she's wised up. They are having meetings because they see the writing on the wall and they see it's not only possible... It's likely Bernie Sanders might be the Democratic do- nominee against Donald Trump, and as I've always said, I said it at The Young Turks, and I'll say it again: they would rather four more years of Donald Trump if it means they stay in power and the money keeps rolling in. Bernie Sanders said they'd rather go they they'd rather go down on the they'd rather go down on the Titanic if they have first class. I want you to save this video. If you know how to save a video, save it. Because later when we find out how they're rigging the primary, remember this story, remember these meetings. There's no way they're meeting to talk about the price of tea in China. But it's hardly only Mr. Sanders critics who believe the structure of this race could lead to a 50-state contest like the previous two Democratic primaries and require deal-cutting to determine a nominee before or at the convention, unlike two previous two Democratic primaries. Quote, If I had to bet today, we'll get to Milwaukee and not have a nominee, said Mrs. Doughtry, who was neutral in the 2016 primary. The reason she theorized is simple. Super Tuesday, when at least 10 10 states votes, 10 states vote, comes just three days after the last of four of early states. After that, nearly 40% of the delegates will have been distributed, and, she suspects, carved up among Democratic candidates so that nobody can emerge with a majority. Unlike Republicans who use a winner take all primary format, Democrats use a proportional system, so candidates only need to garner 15% of the vote in a primary or caucus to pick up delegates. And even if a candidate fails to capture 15% statewide, he or she could still win delegates by meeting that vote threshold in individual congressional districts. Should no bargain be struck by the time of the first roll call vote at the 2020 convention in Milwaukee, such, a u- such as a unity ticket between a pair of leading delegate winners, the nomination battle would move to a second ballot. Oh boy. And under the new rules crafted by the DNC after the 2016 race, that is when party insiders and elected officials known as superdelegates would be able to cast a binding vote. The specter of superdelegates deciding the nomination, particularly if Mr. Sanders is a finalist, is highly unappetizing to party officials. If we have a role, so be it, but I'd much prefer that it be decided in the first round, just from a unity standpoint, said Senator Debbie Stabenow of Michigan. That may not happen should Mr. Sanders, sustained by his online fundraising network, remain in the primary, but fail to win a majority of delegates after the last state's vote in June. If he is unable, for example, to broaden his appeal with non-white voters, He would accumulate hundreds of delegates, but still fall short of the nomination, again with the false narratives. His appeal, he's doing very well polling-wise among uh, minority voters right now. Yet that result might not be fully realized until later in the primary calendar, well after Mr. Sanders has put his money to work. Quote, if he is consistently raising $6 more than his next closest opponent, he's going to have a massive fundraising advantage, said Rufus Gifford former President Obama's 2012 finance director, noting that Mr. Sanders will be able to to blanket expensive and delegate-rich Super Tuesday states like California and Texas with ads during early voting there. Mr. Gifford, who has gone public in recent days with his dismay over major Democratic fundraisers remaining on the sidelines, said of Mr. Sanders, quote, I feel like everything we are doing is playing into his hands. But the peril of rallying the party's elite donor class against a candidate whose entire public life has been organized around confronting concentrated wealth is self-evident. Mr. Sanders would gleefully seize on any Stop Bernie support. You could see him reading the headlines now, Mr. Brock. Mused, Rich people don't like me. Well, they were right, because Bernie Sanders' campaign sent out an email this afternoon. Let me get it. They are rolling right off of this New York Times. By the way, the New York Times should just re-headline this. The United Corporation strikes back. The United Corporations of America strikes back. Because this is a concentrated cabal trying to rig the primary against the frontrunner, Bernard Sanders. Here's Bernie's campaign. The New York Times has an article today with the headline, Stop Sanders. Democrats are agonizing over his momentum. And they put, they put a bunch of quotes in there that I just read you. From canopy-filled fundraisers on the coast to the cloakrooms of Washington, mainstream Democrats are increasingly worried, the article begins. And then they say, Mr. Brock, who smeared Anita Hill and who led an effort to stop our political revolution four years ago, is almost correct. They don't just hate Bernie Sanders, they hate everything our political revolution embodies. They hate Medicare for all, the Green New Deal, Breaking up the big banks, free public college for all. That is why, in the next 48 hours, we are launching a fundraising drive that I hope will send an unmistakable message to the political establishment about the strength of our political revolution. That's why I'm asking you today, make a $3 contribution to our campaign as part of an emergency, an emergency, 48-hour fundraising drive to fight back against the anti-Sanders campaign being hatched by the financial elite of this country. They may have canopy-filled fundraisers. We have each other in solidarity. Faiz Shakur, campaign manager. Who, well, by the way, Faiz, if you're watching, get back to me. I don't appreciate it. I've reached out to his campaign at least six or seven times to get some questions answered, including why are you silent on Julian Assange's arrest and likely extradition, Senator Sanders. I like Bernie, but if he's wrong, he's wrong, and he's wrong. I'm sure he's being told, stay out of it. But there's right or wrong, Bernie. And this is not only an issue of press freedom. This is not only an issue of the First Amendment. This is an issue of crimes against humanity. He might not get the death penalty if he's extradited, but he will have a living death. He will be in prison for the rest of his life. They will drum up extra charges on him too. So Bernie Sanders should be leading the charge against this. And if he doesn't, if he if he thinks he should be extradited, then he should say so and explain why. So I don't know what to tell you, and I forgot to mention this during the uh, donors part. But Beto O'Rourke, good old Beto, you know, stand stand on stand on a bar, Beto O'Rourke. Remember when I told you eh, I don't buy that six point one million dollars in one day. Remember those headlines about Beto O'Rourke's 6.1 million first 24 hours? Well, he inflated that figure a bit with 300,000 in general election funds he can't spend in the primary, meaning Bernie Sanders raised most for primary on day 1. I'm sure CNN will, you know, be leading tonight with this as well as MSNBC. So, yeah, 300,000 of that figure was from his general election funds. So Beto raised less than 6.1 million. Still raised a lot of money, but not 6.1 million. And when you look into the numbers, I promise you, I'm going to look when I have a chance to Kamala Harris's numbers, Beto's numbers, and the others. It's going to be a lot of bundlers and high dollar donors in that in that crowd. And and, and it's just it, it's getting even more amazing. I don't know, for, for those of you that, like, really follow politics, uh, really follow politics, there's a guy named Peter Dow, and he was a Clinton, like, lieutenant. He used to work for Hillary Clinton. He's a, he was a Clinton, si- Clinton sycophant that was just going after Bernie like you would not believe in 2016, going after Bernie supporters on Twitter constantly, smears, propaganda, you name it. Well, Peter Dow... Even Peter Dow sees the writing on the wall, folks. Thread, Bernie Sanders can beat Trump. Bernie Sanders is a frontrunner for the Democratic nomination. He has millions of dedicated supporters and is raising tens of millions of dollars. This is Peter Dow saying this. Few people in politics, politics criticized him more than I did in 2016, but I'm a realist with right-wing extremists running our government and with Trump sycophants like Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, Mike Pence, William Barr shredding our norms and values. Bernie Sanders is not the problem. In fact, he is out there spreading a progressive message. We need as many committed we need as many people committed to a strong progressive message as possible, especially when they inspire millions of young voters. It is very tough to set aside the frustration of 2016, but I implore Bernie and Hillary supporters to try to come together. Sanders has his problems. I've criticized him on guns, environmental justice, and immigration. I've also criticized Hillary Clinton, who I worked for, on drones, fracking, and Iraq. (laughs) A lot more to criticize. We can't expect our candidates to be flawless, but everything is on the line in 2020. There are a number of inspiring dem Dem candidates in a large and diverse field. Each has weaknesses and strengths. I haven't backed anyone, and I don't plan to in the immediate future. But replaying 2016 fights, no matter who does it, harms our 2020 chances. Look, I, to- I told hard truths in 2016, and I'm telling them now. I follow my heart and my gut. I know people get pissed off at me, and that's their right. But the word I want to leave behind will be much better led by someone like Sanders than Trump and his white nationalist cronies. And to anyone questioning my loyalties and motives, I stuck with Hillary through thick and thin in 2016, despite, despite being mobbed, threatened, and harassed. I grew up in a war and I don't abandon people in the trenches, but Hillary isn't running today and I want to win in 2020. And uh, Winnie Wong, a big who works now for Bernie's campaign and has been a big Bernie supporter, says, welcome to the political revolution, Peter. One thing that's super important about what he said, and some of what he said is BS. I mean, he was harassed. He, if you know Peter Dow in 2016, he was doing the harassing, but I digress. I want to win. If this is actually about winning and beating Donald Trump, it's still early, granted, but if you want to win, it's not even a contest. Bernie Sanders has the best chance to beat Donald Trump. If you look at the states that made Donald Trump president, Bernie Sanders is popular. Bernie Sanders currently is leading the polls in Wisconsin. I don't know the Michigan or Pennsylvania polls, but a Wisconsin poll shows Bernie Sanders in the lead. He speaks to those blue-collar workers in Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio, and Pennsylvania. He was against NAFTA. Trump won because of NAFTA. I've said it since 2016. I'll say it again. And the exit polls, if anyone cares to read them in those states, show the top uh, issue, trade, immigration. Wait, Hillary Clinton was pro-NAFTA? Right. I mean, this is the reality, whether you like it or not. So if they want to win, I think Peter Dow said it right. Bernie Sanders has the best chance to beat Trump. If Joe Biden wants to come in, I think Bernie Sanders will take him out. And it's not even going to be that tough. And frankly, I think there's more skeletons in in Mr. Biden's closet. Tick-tock. Tick-tock. So I want to show you a quick story. This is good news. Finally, now that the Republican corrupt governor is out of there, Flint is getting some more aid. Flint gets $77 million to pay for water projects. The city of Flint is getting another $77 million in funding from the state to pay for water infrastructure improvements. The Michigan Department of Environmental Quality announced a $77.7 million loan to the city. This is the same Michigan Department of Environmental Quality that we found cooked the data and cooked and cooked the testing by flushing people's lines before testing, which is totally against EPA regulations. Interest will be 0% and 100% of the principal will be forgiven, effectively making it a grant. Flint will use the money on the following projects completion of a pipeline hooking up a secondary water source, improvements to the Dort and Cedar Street Reservoir and Pump Station, construction of a new chemical feed building, replacement of the Northwest Transmission Main, various water main replacement work, water meter replacements, water quality monitoring panels. State officials say the funding will help ensure Flint's water system remains compliant with laws and quality standards designed to protect public health, other grants and loans went to the city of East Lansing for 51.7 million and blah, 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 blah. I'm going to talk to some sources to make sure. Sometimes you see money's going and, and it looks good. I want to make sure that this money is actually going to where they say it's going. And I want to make sure this is actually where the money needs to be gone to. So I'm going to talk to a couple of people I know in Flint that are in the know about these things and, and update the story. But I think what's important here, what we found was the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality that's mentioned in that story was going into residents' homes that were on the official state testing program and running their water, in some cases, for 10 to 15 minutes before putting the sample bottle in and collecting the water sample, checking for lead and copper. That is 100% against EPA regulations. EPA regulations say you can't use the water for six hours. You then have to turn on the water, take, put the sample bottle in right away. This might sound kind of mundane not important boring it's literally flushing away the evidence so then you get when you flush before when you run the water first you get a lower number and woo look at all these low numbers flints again meeting epa regulations mission accomplished the water crisis is over we'll shut down the water pods that desperate poison poor people go to to get their water because they can't afford bottled water stacks of it and we can move on this is exactly what happened This is what our documentary will show.